What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. But why do we enjoy being scared? Why are we determined to relive the fear we endured back when we were children and the dark itself instilled us with terror? Award shows. You either love them or you hate them. But despite your feelings for them, they do serve a purpose, and that's giving the art and craft of film and filmmaking the attention and accolades they deserve. All film except horror, that is. Sadly, with the passing of such events like the Scream Awards and the Horror Hall of Fame, scary movies have no place besides film festivals to get the love and attention they so rightly deserve. That is why Two Guys Talking Horror created our own award show. Leave your tie and tux in the closet and slip into your favorite graphic t-shirt as we take you through a brief look at the categories and nominees for the third annual Spooky Awards. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, to another edition of Two Guys Talking Horror. I am one of your hosts, Nicholas J. Hearn. Across the table from me, I've got... Jason Contini. My boon companion, my brother in horror. That's right. Happy to have you here. Cannot wait to delve into the third, can you believe it, third <laughs> annual Spookies. We're, it's nice to see that we're consistent with something. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the Spookies, let's do a quick bit of housekeeping. Two Guys Talking Horror on social media. It's everywhere. Everybody uses it, or at least almost everybody uses it. And uh, for us, it, we are no different. We like using it to keep our fans informed and educated when it comes to the world of horror. And entertained. I mean, sometimes we're just putting stuff out there. Just oh, yeah. 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 Most of the time, it's just for fun. Yeah. And we want to remind everybody that Two Guys Talking Horror is available not only as a podcast, but also as interesting content on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We've got a very eclectic group of fans on each one of those platforms. And uh, each one of those platforms allow us to do something just a little bit different here and there. We're posting the same thing on all of our platforms most of the time, but there are some times where it's very exclusive. So something that you see on Facebook, you might not see on Twitter or Instagram, and vice versa. Check out all of our social media sites. There'll be links in the show notes to this episode to where you can find us at Facebook, at Twitter, and at Instagram. And remember, 
it's the only place that you can vote for the third annual Spookies. And now that we've gotten housekeeping out of the way, let's dive straight into taking a look at this year's categories and nominees for the third annual Spooky Awards. So very much like any award show, you've got the you've got the irregular categories. One thing that we have that other award shows do not, Jason, is a category for best horror anthology. That's right. We have added a brand new category this year, best horror anthology, because anthologies, it's, it's the way of the future, it's man. It's a huge thing right now. Yeah. And um, they're a lot of fun. And that's another reason for everybody. You know, we mentioned earlier about all the, the social media sites and that being the place where you can vote for the spooky. Mm -hmm. That's even more crucial to go and vote on those platforms specifically because this will be our first award, our first recipient of the best horror anthology award. So yeah. this is a kind of big one. I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, announcing the winner for this one because all three of them are great on so many different levels. I mean, if, if you love horror, each one of these has something for you. And if you love all forms of horror, you're going to enjoy all three of these. And of course, we've got categories like Best Horror Director, Best Actor and Actress. We've got Best Score, because, you know, music is important. It's important. It's music so is important. so important, when it, especially when it comes to horror. Uh, we've got Best Audio Production, Best Visual Production. We've got the Best Makeup and Visual Effects, Screenplay. One of my favorite categories best horror movie monster because i we're, we're watching these movies we want to get scared and usually it's it's one thing or a group of things that that are doing the scaring top that award oscars ha 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 and then of course you know there's always the best picture award for horror we're not going to cover every single category because that would be a five-hour podcast so what we've decided to do is we're actually going to focus on the three favorite categories for the third annual Spookies. And we're going to talk about not necessarily our favorite, not necessarily the one that we're voting for, but out of each of these categories, we're going to be talking about one nominee each that we think deserves to be talked about. So let's jump straight into it. And the nominees for Best Horror Movie Screenplay are Remy Weeks, His House, Natalie Erica James, and Christian White, Relic, Brian Bartino, The Dark and the Wicked, Damien Levesque and Aaron Horwitz, The Cleansing Hour, Jim Cummings, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Screenplay. This is an it's a very, us. very important. We're writers. We have uh, dabbled in screenwriting, and uh, I think we're not all that bad. No. We haven't been nominated for anything no. yet. But one I, day. one day, someday, soon. Yeah. Yep. We really wanted to uh, delve into looking at crafting the story. The, the story is important. If you don't have the story, you've got nothing. And I feel like we had a very eclectic collection of horror movies this year all ranging from psychotic madmen 
out to destroy the mental stability of young women, all the way to the devil, the devil himself, and everything in between. So let's uh, let's start with you, Jason. Well, let's talk about your pick. Who are you picking to talk about during this episode for screenplay? I really want to talk about uh, Remy Week's screenplay for his house. Oh, okay. All right. I think that this was such an intelligently written film because it, it's one of those few horror films that, in my opinion, transcends the genre mm-hmm. because of what it is saying. He, he has written... What on the surface seems like a haunted house, you're just kind of going to run a haunted house story. But underneath it, there are layers upon layers of of poignant commentary Mm. that he is saying with this film. I mean, the the whole point, the whole story of this film is uh, a man and a woman who are fleeing an African country. And I I don't even recall now if it mentions what country. It doesn't matter. Right, right, right. They're fleeing this country, and they run to London. Not, not America. They run to London, and they are put in, you know, like a basically like a, a quarantine period as being immigrants to the country. And then when their period is done, they are put into essentially public housing. Of course, the public housing is less than desirable, mm-hmm. and, and naturally it's haunted, or so it seems. The interesting thing about the script, the interesting thing about the way the story has been structured, is that it flashes back over and over throughout the film, telling the story of what their life was like back home and why they left and what they went through Hmm. leaving to come home. Both the good decisions and the very bad decisions that were made. So even though there is this heavy horror element, and let me tell you, man, there are some really great moments in this. I mean, I I wouldn't say that, that it was necessarily conjuring-level scary, but there are some moments that are close to conjuring-level James Wan style. Oh, wow, okay. It's, it's really, really well put together. But more than that is this script, because you start to learn that this film is really about the fear of being new somewhere, of leaving everything to go somewhere where it will be better, only to find that it may not really be better. Mm. It might just be a different. And how do you acclimate to that? How do you deal with that? It also deals heavily with guilt. Mm. And when you leave and start a new life somewhere, can you leave that guilt behind? Can you really start over, or does it go with you? It's it's really intelligently written, and I want to talk so much more about it because it was one of my favorites from this year. I mean, it was just a brilliant film, but I don't want to spoil anything because, you know, it's so so well done and the ending is so good. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. That screenplay, that's where it all starts, and you can tell that the director, who is also the screenwriter, is following it very closely. So you are getting what the screenwriter intended, which is always... Always nice, because you don't always get that. And that's always something very interesting to experience when you actually have the writer as the director as well. Because then it's a cohesive vision instead of somebody writing something, handing it off to a director, and then the director making his or her own interpretations of that and shifting things to their desired result. Whereas this is a a 
solidly made film directed by the same person who wrote the screenplay. Yeah. So therefore, when you watch the film, you can see that that the film is so good, and that's because of the screenplay, and it and it, it's allowed to show because it's the same person. It, I'd be interested to find out because there are three versions to every film: mm-hmm. the script, what you shoot, and then the finished product after you're yeah. done editing. Yeah. Never is it the same. No. And with a writer-director, I wonder how close you get to having the same thing. I will say that this is a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that's where I, I got to see it. And that's where all of you can go and see it. And I, again... Go! Go now! It's really good. But as soon as it comes out on Blu-ray, I'm buying it because I want to see those special features. I want right. to see what, what went through his head when he was putting this together. Is this somewhat autobiographical for him or is it maybe a story he heard from someone he knows who has gone through something I, it's i'm really interested to know the difference between the screenplay yeah. and the final version but um, and that's another that's another well, it's a different topic altogether but that's why i believe that uh, uh, physical media will never go away yeah. because until they start dishing out those special features streaming wise I'm going to be rushing out to buy the Blu-ray so that I can have those special features. But this is not an episode no. about physical media versus digital media. This no. is the spookies. And we're talking about screenplay. We're talking about screenplays. So, so, so what about you, Nick? What, what, are, what are you picking to talk about for this category? I got to tell you, I had such a great time with Jim Cummings' Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah. I am a sucker for horror comedy. And, and this is a horror comedy. Light on the comedy, though. It's more situational snark comedy it's than, than ha-ha funny comedy. Dark. Yes, it very is. Dark. This I, is I definitely a dark. I did, too. I, at uncomfortable things, it's yeah. like, ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I love the premise of this film. We are both huge werewolf story fans. Mm-hmm. And... When I knew that there was a movie that came out in 2020 that that was werewolf-centric, I'm like, oh, well, this has got to be a contender. I cannot wait to watch. And sight unseen, all I watched was the trailer. I went out I bought the Blu-ray. It could have ended up sucking, and I would have been out that $15. But hallelujah, this was an awesome film, and I enjoyed myself from the beginning to the end. And the writing is... Where the writing is concerned, the story is very simple. Nice, small, sleepy town that's got a, a ski lodge, so there's there's tourism. But most of the time, it's just a nice, quiet place until bloody murder. I mean, we're talking about decimated corpses strewn all, along the snow. Disin- yes, all the disses you can come up with. The gore is beautiful. The effects are beautiful, but the writing, these characters, they're all in over their head and they want to behave like they're not. And these characters that we get to experience going through this madness is half of the fun. Because for me, when it's when it comes to storytelling, you have to have a character that you want to take the journey with. I think that that's probably true for everyone and maybe people just don't realize it, but if there's 
if there's not someone that you can relate to, and it doesn't have to be the main character. No, right, yeah. It just there has to be someone of some prominence in a film that you can relate to and see the story unfold through that character's point of view. Mm-hmm. Almost. Um, otherwise, why are you watching it? Yeah, yeah. You were never going to be emotionally invested in this journey. And a lot of people will say, the story is important, character is second. Well, I disagree. Characters are important because they are the, they're the driver of the car, and the car is the story. And if you've got a really crappy driver, who your, your, your story is going to end up crashing into a tree halfway through the trip. Yeah. Now, this is another example of a writer also being the director and the lead actor in a film. Yeah. Jim Cummings does it all. And I feel like with that kind of control, his vision was completely realized. Yeah. And this is one of those films to where I'm like, I just I was expecting just a really fun werewolf movie with some good gore. And I ended up getting so much more because it's deeper. There is, like I say, the character, there are so many, everybody's got a character flaw, flaws. So it makes them more relatable. Yep. And there are real human interactions going on with the backdrop of this when will this killer strike again when will this werewolf because everybody thinks oh it's got to be a monster it's got to be a werewolf you have to deal with this monster and i think that's where it really boils down to is dealing with monsters both from outside and from within i was just going to say certainly from within because there is a there is a lot in this script about Anger management, addiction. addiction yeah, heavy, heavy theme in this film, and those are all. I mean, those are those are monsters within, right? For sure. And with the with Cummings' main role, he is a recovering alcoholic with anger management issues, but he's also in a position of authority. So control, you have to have yeah, control, control yeah. but then with the alcoholism, you lose control. With anger, you lose control. There is a constant battle where this character is concerned, and then everybody else is, everybody else surrounding him is just in its wake, and and you're watching them react. How will they react, and how will they help or hinder the character? And then, of course, oh, let's not forget, people are being slaughtered left and right by a werewolf. This is one of those films to where I can't talk about it anymore because I will give away important things. <laughs> and if you have not seen it, oh my God, go rent it, yeah. borrow it from a buddy, d- do what you have to. You have to at least watch it once because the ending to this film blew my mind. That's where we'll ask you, who do you think is going to win the Spooky for Best Horror Movie Screenplay? Head on over to our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com, fill out the contact form, and tell us who you think out of these nominees will win the coveted Spooky.
from color out of space. Apeth from his house. And all the monsters from love and monsters. Well, Nick, you can't have a good horror movie without a monster. Yep. Even if it's a human monster. Even if it's human, you gotta have the monster. You gotta have a monster. Even if the monster is a ghost, whatever. Right. It's not a horror movie unless you have some sort of a monster. You gotta have a foil, and it's usually a monster. Exactly. Right. That's why this category, you know, it's it's an important category. When we were actually, yeah, I mean, when we came up with the uh, concept of doing the spookies, we modeled it slightly after the Academy Awards, but but this was the category. It's like, well, if, I mean, this is for horror, we need to be celebrating the creatures that scare us. Right, the monsters that terrorize. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting this year because, you know, you are talking earlier about how, how the films run the gamut of style and story. Mm-hmm. The monsters run that gamut. Oh, too. yeah. I mean, everything from spectral demons and, and devils to literally giant monsters. Mm-hmm. So out of these... Nick, let's let's flip flop it. I'm going to throw it back to you. Which one are you? Which one you want to talk about here? My my choice is pretty obvious. Uh, it's it's the choice that nobody was talking about. Not even the Academy Awards, even though it was up for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. I want to talk about all of the freaking monsters in Love and Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Where was this movie? I did not discover this movie until earlier this, this year, 2021. This is, a, this is one of those movies that could have had an amazing theatrical release and was a, a, a sad victim of COVID. Yeah, because this is a type of movie you would want to see on the big oh, screen. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just fortunate enough to have a very large television to where I was still able to enjoy it, but even so... I think, you know, a 30-foot screen would have made these monsters pop even more. And I'm sorry, I just love giant monsters. If it's oversized, giant, whatever... And it's terrorizing people, great. Terrorizing and eating people, give it to me, I'll watch it. And we had so many interesting incarnations in this, because they're all based off of Earth biology, so they're all slightly recognizable as things that we know oh that's a giant frog oh there's a turtle oh my god that's a killer cockroach and what's even better is that in this movie the monsters are also a metaphor oh yeah but of course you're not really thinking about metaphors because you're watching giant monsters eat other people this is something that had i been able to go to the theater to see I would totally be experiencing. This is a this is a world that I want to revisit. Oh yeah. Because these monsters are so want, interesting cuz there's good monsters and there's yes. bad monsters. Yes. yes. I would like to see in a sequel kind of uh maybe the merging uh, of the the societies. It's like, you know, can monsters and man work together? To, you know, will one inherit the earth completely? Will humanity go the way of the dodo? You know, things like that. And that's all well and good. I just want to see more menacing things because there's there were art pictures during the credits to this movie of monsters we never saw in the right. film that I feel would be nightmare fuel oh, had yeah. I actually seen them in the movie. Oh yeah. Cuz I'm not a fan of spiders and I don't want one that's the size of a Buick. 
coming at me. That's no, I'm, 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 I'm barely holding in peeing my pants right now. Just thinking about something like that. That is terrifying. But yes, I, I believe that if you are a fan of giant monsters, you have to go and see love and monsters because, you know, there's a love story and there's that stuff even too. Then, it's not cheesy and it's not right. Even then I wasn't rolling my eyes at it. I'm like, like, Oh, this is, we're going to do this. Oh, he's going on a quest. No, everything, everything played out really well. Yeah, it it, it made sense, but the fact that there were giant monsters just made it more enjoyable. Yeah. So, what about you? What uh, what bloodthirsty, craven creature will you be talking about? Well, I think for this podcast, I think I'm going to talk about what you and I have come to refer to as the entity, mm. the dark and the wicked. Now, this this demon or this this demonic presence is never really given a name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it could be called the presence, it could be called, uh, you know, any number of things. We've just called it the entity. I, I think I want to talk about it because it. what I found so fascinating about this monster in particular for this year of, of horror films is that it was much like the monster that was COVID. Mm. This was a monster that you never see. Mm, yeah, it is never seen, not once in the film, but it is certainly there. Yeah, the presence is yes. felt. Now that, that that's something else that we probably could have called it was the, the presence. presence. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. something else that could have. Yeah, and I and I find that absolutely terrifying. That the horrific things can occur from something that you can't see. And I'm not talking about invisible man. You can't see. I mean, yeah, sure, there's that. Mm. But there there is a corporeal something there. Right, yeah. You know, you just can't see yourself touching it, but you can you can actually hold it. It essentially is a demon that has latched itself to this family. And so the, the premise is that a brother and sister have returned home because their father is dying and their mother's been taking care of him mm-hmm. and things are getting rough and they've come home because it's probably not gonna be much longer. Within thirty minutes of the film, the mother has cut her fingers off and hung herself in the barn. And what they discover is that she did so because she was told to by whatever this entity or presence is. And it and it starts to affect the brother and sister throughout the film. Boy, I, I will tell you, the last 20 or 30 minutes of this movie, the things that this entity causes this family to go through, mm. oh my God, it's... I was, I was shouting... <laughs> I, was, um, I was young. You can see this. You can see this one on Shutter. This is a Shutter film, and and I tell you, man, this it was really, really creepy, and I I am just fascinated by the idea that you never see it. And I don't mean like sometimes you don't see the demon, and it possesses someone, and then at the end of the film, you see the person with the demon in them, and they've got makeup on, or you know they're skinny decaying because they can't hold the demon inside or whatever. Mm. You're still seeing something. Right. You never see anything, and it's still terrifying. That's That, to me, is a pretty damn good scary monster. Yeah, absolutely, because you get to project yeah. what you think it could look like. Yeah, and, and when you're watching the film, or even just living you know, your life, your imagination then can run wild when those shadows appear. Absolutely. Especially with this film, you know, taking place out in a, in a farm for anyone who, like you and I, Nick, uh, have such an affinity for that kind of more 
rural outdoor country kind of style. Yeah. Um, I know that you lived in, in, in that kind of an area for, for many years. Mm-hmm. And I you know, love that kind of space, but at night that can be really scary. Yeah. Out there. Um, because all you see is the black and you don't know what's out there. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what makes this so effective as a monster. And that's Have you got goosebumps yet? I sure do. We're going to raise the hair on the back of your neck when we come back for more of our look at the nominees for the third annual Spookies. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Everyone knows you'll spend at least double the time you use to create the podcast when editing it. And there's the control freak factor, the gotta get it right factor, and well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and are ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Do it. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th, the television series. Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at VoiceFarmers.com see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box from the voice box voicefarmers.com that's voicefarmers.com welcome back boys and ghouls to our look at some of the nominees for two guys talking horrors third annual spooky awards Now we've covered screenplay, we've covered the monsters. Let's talk about the big one. Let's talk about best horror picture. The nominees for best horror picture are anything for Jackson, his house, the Cleansing Hour, Color Out of Space, and Relic. 
before we jump in and start talking about this, we, we do want to point out here that the films that Nick and I will be talking about for this category are not necessarily the films that we will be voting for. They may be. They may be. But they may not be. You don't know. Our votes are secret. That's right. Like all voting should be. Secret. Yeah. In the privacy of your own booth. On social media. On social media. <laughs> for anyone to see. Right. That's right. I mean... You'll, you'll be able to see what we vote for if you actually take a look. But you have to put in the efforts to look at, at all of the nominees, which you should do when you're voting for the third annual Spookies. But anyway, I think I'm going to have to talk about a film that had a lot of hype in 2020. And I held off watching for a very long time because I'm a fan of H.P. Lovecraft, but I don't feel like Hollywood gets him right. It's tough. Yeah, very. It is very tough to translate, uh, especially if you try to modernize it. Oh, yeah. And I have to say, this was probably, if you were going to try to adapt Color Out of Space for a modern audience, it may not be a direct adaptation, but damn it if they didn't pull it off. I was actually kind of impressed. It starts off slow. You're getting to know your characters. You're getting to know the environment. And then things get weird, but yet it's still not scary until it becomes mind-numbingly terrifying. Mm. And I was pleasantly surprised by this film and, and the performances in this film. One of the reasons why it's up for Best Picture is because it touches on all the important things. It has great visual production. It has great audio production. It has great... The score is incredible. And the acting, I know Nicolas Cage gets ragged on a lot for having a unique style of acting, but for a Lovecraft story, that's like a strength. I was going to say, it kind of actually fits for that. It is is one of the strengths of this film because he is able to go from mild-mannered Nick Cage to Nicolas freaking Cage. And it works. It makes sense in the context of the story. And this is one of those films to where I I watched it streaming, but I have to buy this. I have to own the physical media because I need to see the special features. I want to see how they pulled off some of these effects. I want to hear the stories of going from original story to the script to in front of the camera. I need to hear these stories because... Wow, I don't know how they pulled off some of this stuff. And for me, for a lover of, because there's there is a lot of special effects, but there, it, I, unless I am completely dead wrong, there is a lot of great practical effects in this movie too, and that is something that definitely I can gravitate towards. So if you haven't seen Color Out of Space, I I do recommend it. If you're a Nick Cage fan, definitely watch it because you're gonna get some you're gonna get some pristine cage performance here which well, see i think at this point that's isn't that what you sit down to watch a nick cage film at this point isn't that what you expect if you haven't seen color out of space do yourself a favor give yourself an hour and 45 minutes uh pop some corn i'm I, I can guarantee you if you're a fan of this type of genre sci-fi horror macabre stuff you'll definitely enjoy Jason, what about you? What movie from our Best Picture nominees are you going to talk about? Well, the film that I'm going to talk about, the, 
the word enjoy you just used, and I and I I'm not sure if that's the right word to use yeah. in this film, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I just mean that it's it gets so scary at times that I'm not quite sure that it's <laughs> it is a brilliant film. I really, really was uh, was taken with the film Anything for Jackson. Oh, yeah. On yeah. I would say it was probably one of my favorite films of the year. It was really, really brilliantly well put together. Mm. The script is very intelligent. The performances. I mean, this is, this is a case of a film where everything seems to come together. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like... A movie where, oh yeah, the effects were good and the acting was good, and the camera work was fine. Or it's technically amazing on every level, but there's some plot holes in the script here. That this is one of those movies that everything worked. And it's because I think it's because it's also very grounded in reality. I was going to say, and it's very real. Yeah. Which is nice, and not just in its story, but in the way it's shot too. Mm. I mean, when when someone says to you. You know, do you watch low-budget independent dramas? A certain type of film probably appears in your head. A mm. film that, you know, uses maybe a lot of steady cam shots, right. a lot of natural lighting, or what looks like it. Yeah, right. so it's a little bit more involved than just oh, turning the camera on and shooting. But, quote-unquote, natural lighting. Actors who have been in the business for forever, but maybe haven't really had that big breakout role, but you probably know who they are. I mean, that's what you kind of think of when you think of those indie mm -hmm. drama art house films. That's what this film feels like, but it's a horror movie. Mm. And it's kind of a reverse exorcism of sorts because it's this older couple who have kidnapped a young pregnant woman, and they are attempting to put the spirit of their dead grandchild into the baby that the woman is carrying. And so they're good people. They're doing all the wrong things. Well, right, right. <laughs> but they're good people. If you don't think of kidnapping... Well, good you know. intention... <laughs> the, the road to hell is paved right, with good intentions, right. which, you know, this, this elderly couple who really loved their daughter, who really loved their grandchild and are dealing with loss, and the only way that they can deal with that is, well, I have to get them back. That's, I think, the other thing. That's and you turn to Satanism. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's not where I would go, no. but I can <laughs> totally understand. But that's the other thing that's so great about the film is that, like, like a lot of the films from this year, I mean, this year is not just a year about what are great horror films and, and what are scary, you know, jumps and, and what have you, but all the films that we've really talked about seem to be about something else yes under the horror skin and and this one is and that's what makes it that's, that's the best horror yeah yeah, yeah because yeah. you can relate to that and you know and this one like you said is definitely grief and loss and acceptance mm. is a big one and lack of or in this case lack of. <laughs> right yeah it's just a brilliant film and and i also have to give it to this movie Obviously, those of you listening, you know that Nick and I do a lot of indie film work. You know that we've done various different kinds of projects, some of them that we've finished, some that are still in development, and, and anywhere in between. And there are a couple of projects that we have worked on over the years 
it kind of has stalled out, and that, that seems to be a natural course, especially with low-budget filmmaking. But I, I have to admit that this film, when I watched this film, it reignited a fire in me mm. to revisit a handful of those projects, one specifically, which maybe in time we'll talk about here on the show. But for right now, I'm going to leave it as a tease, I guess. But Ooh. So that's a, that's a hell of a thing for a film to do, you know, to, to bring that out in you, create it, yeah. affect you in that way. I, I'm not sure if it's on DVD. I definitely want it. I want a Blu-ray. I want the special features. I want to see how this film was shot. Yeah. I, but I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Get Shudder. If you don't want to get Shudder regularly, I don't know why you wouldn't. But if for whatever reason you don't want it regularly, get the seven-day trial. Watch this movie. I'm oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely, cool. absolutely worth it. Now, we want to know, which nominee for Best Horror Picture do you think deserves to go home with the spooky? Head on over to our websites at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Fill out the web form and tell us who should be this year's winner. Well, that's all the time we're going to take to go through the spooky nominations this year, folks. Again, we cannot stress enough. Head on over to our social media sites. All of the nominees are posted on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We have pictures uh, uh, letting you know how to vote. Every category. single category, every single nomination, every single nominee. The the, the instructions are right there. Make the it real simple. Are different depending on the platform that you are Exactly. On. So if there is a film that you really, really like, <laughs> technically, you could travel. Vote yeah. On all three platforms. This is true. And, and stack that deck. Stack the deck. Stack, because we do not count the individual votes. We just look at the number of how many got what, and yep. boom, that's it. So we'll we'll never know. If you vote three, if you vote three times across three platforms for your favorite pick, go for it. Go nuts, folks. We just want you to vote. Be a part of the third annual Spooky Awards. So until next time, I've been one of your hosts, Nicholas J. Hearn. I'm the other host, Jason Contini. And while you are contemplating your votes for the third annual Spookies, remember, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in the dark. You have successfully survived this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. Thank you for listening. Be sure to connect with us through all of our social media outlets. Podcast. It's only a podcast. <laughs>